Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, Happy New Year and welcome back to the Progressive Britain podcast. Today, Tower Hamlets councillor Amina Ali chats to the former NEC candidates Terry Paul and Jermaine Jackman. They talk about their experiences of running in the election as black men, the Labour Party's failure to elect a black man to the NEC and institutional racism in the party. This is the first in a new series of episodes over the coming months where Amina and Hena Shah chat to guests about diversity in the party and what we can do to improve. Over to Amina. This conversation was with Terry Paul and Jermaine Jackman. Both had stood for the NEC elections at the end of last year. We discuss their experience in taking part in these elections and the journey that they had. We also talked about the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd's death and basically looked at whether this was been a missed opportunity for the Labour movement. We discussed COVID, what it means to be BAME inside the Labour Party and also black male representation. Have we done enough to get black men selected inside the party? in our CLPs, as councillors and as MPs. We also discussed the Labour Party in 2021, the challenges the party will face ahead regarding the Bain communities inside the movement. We talked about what Labour had got right in terms of black representation and black membership and why it was critical that Labour got ahead of the conversation about the change in diversity in Britain. And if it didn't, we discuss what would happen. I'd just like to talk a bit about the NEC elections. And of course, they were the kind of first elections that happened with the new NEC being elected recently, just at the end of last year. And I know that both yourself, Terry Paul and Jermaine Jackman, both stood uh, to, um, to stand on the NEC on different slates. Can you both um, explain to me, if I start with Terry Paul, about your experience of the NEC and what you learned from that from that journey? Um, thank you, and thank you for inviting me to talk about it. Um, for me, I, I felt it a quite, a, I can say, a positive experience. It, it allowed me to talk individually, personally, about you know political issues which mattered to me, but also it allowed me, in the context of you know Black Lives Matters. Um, issues to sort of ground my politics in 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 under that umbrella, if I can say. So I found it a, a, um, a positive experience. Um, I was dreading it, to be honest, when I put my name forward, because the Labour Party up at that point can be can be quite a negative place. Mm-hmm. But in summary, I, I enjoyed it, and it gave me a platform to talk about a number of issues which I don't think the majority of Labour Party members even considered. What were those issues? Just if you want to highlight a few for me. For me, it was about, you know, my experience as a black man in Labour Party. Mm-hmm. You know, it was suddenly, you know, how can I describe it? The issues which we talk, we spoke about in 2020, you know, about the lack of the lack of ethnic minority representation, 
more specifically about the lack of black male representation were not alien concepts to me. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I knew it. Um, I had experiences in the party about that. But obviously, the interesting thing about this year is that everybody else who wasn't an ethnic minority suddenly woke up to these issues, which in one way is quite refreshing, but in another way, quite telling. You know, we're supposed to be a political party, supposed to be looking out for those who are less fortunate than us, let's say, if I can use that word. But it took, uh, you know, an anonymous black guy in America dying to suddenly awaken the labour movement. Yeah. You know, and, and in itself, that in itself should be a wake-up cry, not just on these the issues of black male representation, but on the issues of factors which affect people in the minority. Look at COVID. You know, it affects predominantly ethnic minorities living in poor conditions in inner city areas. You know, so why was it the whole establishment suddenly is like, oh my God, these people are uh, are, are dying of COVID. What, what, what's happened? Why is it? So as a movement, we didn't pick it up as a movement. We didn't really solve these issues. So for me, the issues about the NEC, it, yes, it did focus on, on, on black male voices and about underrepresentation of the black community. But for me, and this has been reflective since the NEC election, it's hope it's opened up a whole vista of well why wasn't the Labour Party on these issues? What why do we have a blind spot? And I think forward we've got to be um self reflective in a sense and and ask ourselves the question, why is it we're suddenly surprised by these issues? Thank you, Terry. So, Jermaine, why is it that we as a Labour movement are suddenly surprised by these issues, firstly? And explain a bit um, about your journey for the NEC elections as well, please. So, I stepped into the NEC uh, race because I felt for far too long uh, ethnic, minority, ethnic minorities, but so, so many marginalised members and communities felt voiceless within a movement where they should have had a voice, where they should have had a seat at that table, uh, where they should have been around the decision-making table, shaping policies, strategies and campaigns. And I was really uh, engaged with our labour movement, with politics, um, just like so many other young people around the country. And when I saw the opportunity to represent ethnic minority members in the party in February of 2020 in the BAME NEC elections, I decided to put my name forward for that. Now, I am a, I, I, well, I was made to feel like an outsider, but I am an outsider. Uh, I don't really know much about internal party elections at the time. Um, I wasn't too clued up on Slate and this group and that clique and who don't like this person and how they don't like that person and you're a Blairite, you're a crank, you're a this and that. And I know nothing. I was unaware of it all. I was just a passionate young black man. I still am, actually. Uh, a passionate young black man from Hackney who has come from a background of serious youth violence and who wants to use their experience, their knowledge and their expertise to bring about social change and to use the vehicle of change, i.e. the Labour Party, to do that. And that's why I stood in the NEC elections in February. Um, and despite me not getting um, onto that decision-making table, the message was clear when I received the maximum amount, the most amount of member votes, but you required 50% of the trade union. So that again goes back to my point where you didn't, uh, I didn't really know too much about the internal party elections. And then you had uh, the the death of George Floyd. You had the disproportionate deaths of coronavirus, you had ethnic minorities feeling more and more marginalised. And for me, it was a perfect storm. It's a perfect storm. It's a perfect storm for the Labour Party at this time to say, look, based on what's happened this year, it's vital that we have these marginalised grassroots voices around the table. It's important that we uplift and amplify black members' voices. And that's another reason why I decided to run for the CLP seat on the NEC. Mm-hmm. And 
it's just unfortunate that both myself and Terry were unable to get onto the NEC. But it also reflects on just how far back the party of equality has to go. Um, and there were a number of people, I know in Terry's testament, to this, Terry, would, uh, Terry and I had a talk about this shortly after the election. We were, we were receiving so many tweets. So, oh my goodness, I'm so surprised. I'm so shocked. I'm so disappointed in my movement. But for me and Terry, there was a, a part of us that kind of knew this might be the outcome. Absolutely. Yeah. There was, there was, because of our experiences within our movement, because of what we heard on the ground from members, when members are being used in parts of England, when members, councillors, I mean, are being used to turn unwinnable seats into winnable seats and then replaced by a white comrade, where ethnic minorities are being, um, put, are putting forward complaints and having to wait months and months and months just to hear anything back. And that's not just for ethnic minorities, that's, that's across the movement, but disproportionately so for ethnic minorities who are facing uh, uh, racism and, and hatred uh, towards them. So we really do have a number of obstacles to climb, and I had hoped that 2020 would be the year where the Party for Equality, the Labour Party, would tap into its roots and tap into its values and principles and say, we need these individuals around this table to shape how we move forward. Because if we don't, we're going to continue to slip up. And we've already seen our party slip up time and time again in 2020. And I just hope that we don't slip up to a point where it's um, irreversible in 2021. Because the, the, the discussions and the fight for racism wasn't pigeonholed for 2020. Mm -hmm. This is something that we continuously live with. Racism. Mm -hmm harassment, discrimination in the workplace. This is something that we live with on a daily basis. So I will not stay quiet on this. I will not take my finger off the pulse with the Labour Party because if we really check it, the Conservative Party are tapping into that. Mm. They have Sean Bailey running for mayor. They've got Priti Patel, Rishi Sunak. They're tapping into that. And if the party doesn't wake up, Terry spoke about awakening. If our party, if our movement, because it's not just the Labour Party, it's our movement. If we do not wake up and and get out of our trenches, because I have to call it trenches because most of the time it feels like warfare in our, in our movement. If we do not get out of the trenches and actually see ourselves as brothers and sisters, comrades in the same movement, wanting the same thing, and getting our minds out of this factionalism, we can actually see how important representation, equality, fairness, inclusivity actually is. Sorry for talking so long. No, no, thank you for that. You both made some really good, really good points. I just want to go back to representation. So if I'm going to play devil's advocate, I would say looking across the Labour movement, and if we look at the NEC, we've had black women on the NEC. We had Claudia Webb, we had Huda Ilmi. Black women have been able to get elected onto the NEC. So there is a black voice on the NEC and have had black voices on the NEC. We've had some union representation. We've had black people represented in some of the unions in terms of their structures, but they are women. So if we go back to representation, what I'm interested in is, does the Labour Party have a problem with black men? Because from where I can see, the Labour Party seems to be okay with black women. But when it comes to black men, it's a different story. In, 19, sorry, in 2017, for example, there were no black Labour candidates mm -hmm. for NEC. Mm -hmm. So I have had people say to me, Labour has a problem with black men. Would you agree? I'll start with Terry. Um, first of all, I say it's not from... <laughs> you raise a very... OK, let me put it this way. If you look at the, the, the women you, you mentioned as you know advancing the cause have come up by really by two routes two structural routes one you could say the labor women's network all women shortlist mm -hmm. supported by the leadership office okay so each of the women you mentioned were supported by the structures within the labor party okay and used those very well so in the in the reverse you must say that black men are not using the structures or are the structures closed to them? 
and I and I think it goes back to some of the points which me and Jermaine already articulated. The issue is for the Labour Party now. It will say probably we're dealing with COVID, the external issue, let's say, and we're dealing with the internal issue of the EHRC report on issues around anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. The issue for the party is it will probably say, or it might say, we haven't got the bandwidth to deal with the issues of underrepresentation. If we're not careful, that's where we're going to be. And again, I go back, you know, it's about looking at the structures which enable success and advancement in the Labour Party. If you look at the trade unions, it's something I said in the article when I was interviewed for Labour List. I find it hilarious how it's always the favoured sons and daughters of the trade unions, who are predominantly white, middle class, work in the public sector, who seem to be championed by those um, bodies. Even though, if you're a Labour Party member, you're 99.9% are likely to be a trade union member, right? Mm-hmm. So why, why isn't the trade unions reaching out to their own membership and, you know, promoting those people? But again, for me, you know, I, I always found the word structural racism quite a clunky thing because for me, it's not structures, let's say, who don't advance people. It's the people within the structures. It's the individual in the caucusing group or on the union executive who's on the Equalities or um, PPC Selection Committee, who doesn't put forward a black face. And you might say a black male. But I think it's for those institutions I mentioned, you know, the trade unions, Labour Party, CLP, to look at themselves and say, well, why haven't you put forward a black male? What, what, what is it about them? And, and again, you know, and, and it's something I said earlier on, the Labour Party is very good uh, poking its finger into the rest of society saying you're bored or your top tier doesn't look diverse enough. We've all heard it, haven't we, right? Every couple of months, there's a story in the paper where some said Labour MP is talking about some other external organisation and how that organisation doesn't reflect the diversity of the British society. Well, let's look at the Labour Party. Does it honestly reflect British society? And, and, and as I said, that is an issue for the leadership to deal with himself. It's an issue for David Evans and Keir Starmer to deal with and not say we're too busy dealing with COVID and EHRC um, to deal with anything else. Because if you look at those two issues, once you, and the same with Jermaine said, once you don't look and at your minority groups and you fail to understand you know, if you if your minority groups are not being seen to advance, then you're you're not doing something. You know, and I, and I say as a wider point, uh, it, it, I'm not surprised how I'll call it the political establishment is it's flailing around trying to deal with COVID because suddenly you got the establishment trying to um, put in place measures for ordinary people. The sense the the establishment on the ordinary people. They struggle to understand how ordinary people's lives are and they still struggle and they can't admit to say society is not great. Thank you. And you know, Terry, Terry, yeah, Terry spoke about the Labour Party not being reflective of society and he's completely right. And I want to take it down a couple of pegs to even our CLPs, hmm. our constituency Labour Party meetings are not reflective of the community. I am, if not one of the only black men in my Hackney North CLP, Diane Abbott's constituency. This is Hackney I'm talking about. And if you were to go into Lewisham, which has the highest African and Caribbean population in the country, and look at their CLP meeting, I guarantee you would see the same thing. And we have to really think about, well, how are we packaging ourselves? Why aren't young black men turning up to um, to our meetings or signing up to our movement, wanting to be a part of the party? We have to ask those questions as well as look at the structural and institutional and the policies that um, that that we we we, we implement. Um, and you know, for me, representation needs to be more than just a tick box exercise because I think if we 
there, there is a there, there is a worry that if we keep our finger on the pulse and we continue bashing at the trade unions, bashing at Lotto, um, leader's office, and saying, "Look, you're not doing enough for black people. There's no black people around the table." Then they'll say, "Okay, well, look, all right, we're going to get this tokenistic person and we're going to place them there. We're, we're just going to tick that box for you guys, so you guys can be quiet." Mm. And I, there is a fear of that happening. So how do we ensure that? The changes that we see and the changes that we want to see are actually effective changes. And I will say this, um, the BAME NEC elections felt like that because we now have an individual, and I'm, I'm not here to, you know what, it's 2021, I don't care. We have an individual on the NEC who has not done anything for black and ethnic minorities and it's almost coming to a year that this individual has been on the NEC representing black and ethnic minority members within our movement. We are still awaiting BAME structures. We still don't have secretaries in our parties, don't have the guidance to set up BAME branches. We've got this new BAME Labour. Don't, we don't know what's happening with BAME Labour. So not only do you not have a, a safe space for ethnic minorities to speak, to share ideas, to put forward motions, but then you have a leader who has slipped up so many times in 2020. Then when we question, well, how many individuals do you have in your office of, of, of Caribbean or African heritage? They, uh, they don't answer that question. When we ask deputy leader, well, when are you actually going to implement some of the, the promises that you made in your Bain manifesto? We're waiting months and months of, for a reply. And these are, some, these are things I'm hearing from my young black men. They've screenshotted emails to me and sent them to me of them chasing leadership for these things. So how do you expect young black men to want to be involved in the movement when, one, they don't represent us, they don't talk about the issues we face, they don't look like us, they don't sound like us. And I'm talking about the young black men that I, I walk past and I talk to on a daily basis in places like Hackney, in places like Lewisham, that I've spoken to in Manchester when one of, my, um, one of the 1987 caucus members, young black men, was beaten up by white men in, in, in Manchester when I'm talking to young black men in Burma and the black country, where they're talking about racism. Mm. And, I'm, and I'm trying my best to amplify their voices, but I'm amplifying it at a wall, and that wall doesn't want to hear it. And it's frustrating. And you can hear the frustration in my voice because I'm, I'm now reliving everything from 2020 again. <laughs> Sorry about that. But now I can understand that. And I, right. and I, will, I want to come back to you a bit more because you have mentioned a few times the 1987 caucus uh, um, group. And I will come back to that. But I just want to speak to Terry and ask Terry, as somebody who's a local politician, Terry, for those who don't know, is a local councillor in the London Borough of Newham. You're, you've been around quite a while. Terry, in the Labour movement. So somebody um, who's been around for a while, um, who's one of many few black men who are councillors across the country, explain a bit more about what keeps you going. Why are you still here? If the party is as bad as it is for black people, especially black men, what is it that keeps you there? And why haven't people like you gone out of your way to recruit more young black men and aren't you a role model for black men, the kind of men that Jermaine has just been speaking about now? Yeah, and I'll come up to that. You know, obviously, um, I think Jermaine's group, the 87 Caucus, is fantastic. And I've been privileged to be part of a couple of um, WhatsApp groups and a couple of Zoom calls. And I'm energised by the young, by Jermaine's group. Let me just put it on record. But what I will say, and you raise a very good example, but what have I done? You're absolutely right. And, and why am I still around? I do think about that. You know, we just come into 2021 and you sit down and you write your New Year's resolutions. And you, sometimes you do think, why don't I just go off and, you know, do my own thing outside the Labour Party and live my life? Um, because sometimes you do get, you know, you think, why bother? You know, and, that's, and, and I'll be honest about it. And sometimes I, I, I do think about, you know, um, I'm coming up for, local council selections in 2022 and I still think you know am I going to stand again I don't know because it is because sometimes you just want to go and do your own thing you, just, you know we are individuals in our own right you know we just want to go and live a life go on holiday a couple of times a year and have a takeaway on a Friday night we're all human in terms of recruiting um black um more black members it's something which in Newham if a few of us we formed our own group and something we're doing but in order to reach out i say to the um 
to wider. It's not just a local political atmosphere which influences whether someone joins. It's about what they see on their TV. And again, it's something which come, comes back to a thread, I think. In order to get um, more people, black people, to join the Labour Party and actually pay their money and pay their subs, it's they got to feel that it's of interest. they got to feel that the Labour Party is talking about their issues. And I don't think it does, actually. Um, if I'd be honest about it, I think Labour Party tends to, um, it's lost the word aspiration, doesn't talk about that uh, enough. It's lost that. They seem to forget. But the reason why I'm here is because my grandmother and, and her extended family moved from St. Lucia and Dominica to have a better life in this country, right? So we came here for aspirational purposes. We didn't come here to be talked down to as if we were always a victim. And I think in terms of what we need to do to talk to attract more people to the party at a national level is to talk about some of the issues which you may mentioned about, you know, crime and justice, for example, about employment, about housing. You know, if you look at COVID, COVID is an X-ray on the ills of society. And it's brought all the weaknesses together. Now, obviously, if you're a group like the black community, you're socially economically at the bottom of the hierarchy, then you're going to have a disproportionate impact on COVID. So again, the reason why I think it's important to have adequate representation at all levels of the party is because the party would be sympathetic to not just the suffering, to be blunt about it, but the solutions to. You know, and at the moment, I, I think we're at a point where, you know, it's not just about black male representation. Now, that's a more of a symbolic issue, actually. But it's about does the movement talk about the issues, not just, you know, the, the diagnosing the problem, but does it have the solution? And I think that's the issue for Labour Party. And I think, you know, having those diverse voices around the table will ensure that the Labour Party comes up with those solutions. Now, at the moment, um, and COVID, I'll just be very brief, you know, use it as an example. I, I find the messaging from both our party, if I can say that, and the government slightly confused how to deal with it. And at the time, the more confusion they offer, who suffers? It's those people at the bottom, being people of colour communities. So again, um, and it goes back to a point which Jermaine said, it's not just about, you know, giving us token representation just to shut people up. It's about saying, you know, are we talking about the issues of concern to that group? Are we hearing it? Are we articulating it in a way which resonates with people? Now, at the moment, I don't think we need to. And I think, you know, if there ever was a time where politics matters, it is now. Now, we're talking here today and, you know, the Prime Minister might later on put us into Tier 5, whatever the hell that is. And having voices is very important. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Museum. Thank you for that. Uh, Jermaine, can you tell me a bit about the 1987 Caucus? What is what is this group um, and why was it set up? Yeah, um, so after the NEC BAME rep elections and I was going around the country talking to so many ethnic minorities, so many um, black members, but in particular young black men, uh, I heard constantly that they just felt voiceless. They didn't feel represented in the party, um, that um, they looked at some of the statistics and it, it was really embarrassing regards, regards to our Labour Party. And, and I think only now, we now have only one black man in the House of Lords representing Labour, only one Labour peer, male, black men, black men, black male, sorry, in, in the House of Lords. And I said, well, you know what? We need to mobilise. We need to mobilise, we need to organise and we need to campaign for better representation. We need to campaign to ensure that our voices are heard, ensure that we are seen, but also empower and support one another when we are going for different roles. So um, I set up a WhatsApp group chat and the group has been growing and growing and growing from members all around the country, young black men from all around the country where we drop in job applications or we talk about current events. We have uh, Zoom events. Uh, we actually... Um, teamed up with Socialists of Colour on a number of occasions. We've had uh, Vaughan, who is the Health Secretary in Wales. Uh, we've had Dawn Butler. We've had Clive Lewis come to some of our meetings to do talks. And it's just an empowering space for young Black men. Uh, and my aim for this is to ensure that we can get better representation, but also ensure that the issues that we face are the ones that people are talking about but also that we can be in those spaces, be those elected members, be those chairs of CLPs, be those um, community and uh, regional organizers uh, or directors and, and be able to embed ourselves at all levels across our movement. Uh, we have the trade union movement, which is almost non-existent when it comes to uh, black um, men. And I, I, we can only think about one prominent individual um, at this moment in time but we, we have a number of issues that we face and I just felt like in order to tackle those issues we need to mobilize we need to organize um, and it's been going great and you know 2021 is shaping up to be an amazing year for the 1987 caucus because we don't just become a, a caucus but we can become a network a network of black men around the country who are all campaigning for better representation uh, and I'm just so proud of uh, people like Terry Paul, people like Javan, um, who are a part of our network, um, doing great work, Armin as well, and Otis, um, who are doing amazing work um, in trying to bring about change in our movement. Because we don't want to... The thing is, a lot, of, a lot of the time, and I remember seeing some of, getting some of the abuse during uh, the CLP NEC elections, a lot of the time people confuse my criticisms and what I campaign on as me trying to undermine the party. And I actually have a problem with that because if you can't see the issues and the things that I'm trying to fight for, that means I'm fighting against you too, right? Mm -hmm. So I, it's, it's about taking the party on a journey with us. We're not here to educate you, but we want to, we want to show you what we are having to face in our movement. The fact that last year, a quarter, what was it, 22,000 young black men were stopped and searched in London in the month of June. And if they had done that for four more months, they would have stopped and searched every young black man in the capital. But we have a shadow home secretary in a paper saying that he doesn't believe that institutional racism exists in the Metropolitan Police. And this is what frustrates us, because we're like, if black men were around you, if we were, to, if we were able to be around the decision-making table, if you actually listen to us, you would know that the lived experience is there. You would know that there is institutional racism within the Metropolitan Police. Now, I, 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 the caucus has met some criticisms because they're like, well, what about black women? What about ethnic minorities? And my answer to them has always been this. By us campaigning for better representation of black men has is not taken away from black women, it's not taken away from anyone else. If anything, we want to see all the bolts rise together when the tide comes in. 
So we are campaigning for all the boats to rise together. But in particular, we want to focus as young black men, as a young black man myself, but I'm, I'm turning 26 this Sunday, so I don't, I can't really claim young to, for too long. Uh, but as a, as a young black man, I identify with that and I identify with the struggle. I know the struggle too well. So I think that in this day and age, and especially what happened last year, we need to have a Labour Party. We need to have a movement that speaks, consults and involves not just black men, but black members across the board. Because what we had last year, February, and the NEC BAME election was trade unions prop up an individual and not consult the black trade unionists. Mm. Thank you, Jermaine. That's really interesting. It sounds really, you know, you know, you really are addressing issues that I think many of us have spoken about for a long time in movement. And I think you're right. I feel the frustration in your voice and the same with Terry as well. You know, black members are quite frustrated, especially those like myself who've been around for a while who, who think that, you know, things should have moved along a bit more, I think, at the moment for, for, for black members in the party, especially within the trade union movement as well. But I want to talk about the term black. Now, people talk about the black community and they talk about the black community as if it's one big community. But we know that the black community is very diverse um, and in that diversity, it has different needs. Different communities within that massive, um, diverse black community have different needs. And so do you think the Labour Party, the fact that maybe they don't understand fully the problems that face all black communities, do you think they, the Labour Party even has a more of a problem understanding individual black community needs? And if so, how can we work to maybe highlight the, the diversity and individuality within our own black movement, our own black communities? I'll start with Terry. That's, that's a very good question. And I think you're absolutely right. I think the reason why we have the, the word BAME because it's easier for someone who's not an ethnic minority to lump us all together, right? Um, my, my heritage is from the, the West Indies, you know, and, um, you know, I can, you know, because of my mum's from St. Lucia, my dad from Dominica, you know, my culture is different to, let's say, the Jamaicans, right? But in this country, uh, Jamaican culture seems to be the culture everybody defines as the, the black experience. So if, for example, the sort of, let's call it the establishment within the parties, understood the complexities or nuances within the black community and the differences and the diversity and the cultural differences and the humour within that, I think what it will have is a much more nuanced and a much more sympathetic um, appreciation of what the black community is. If you look at your own community, Mina, you're Somalian, right? Right? That's, you know, Somali, you know, there's, in a way, there's a, you know, there's a Muslim side to, this, to, to the Somalian community and there's a black side and there's, there's two stools, right? And also the Christian side as well. But if people just saw the, the Somali community one big block and didn't take any time to understand it, then you'll get into problems of, of the BAME issue, right? So at the moment, the problem with the BAME issue, the black bit gets downplayed. That's what happens because someone goes, oh, we've got someone, they're BAME, aren't they? Yeah, but they're, they're, you know, they're the, they're the non-black bit. And that's the problem. And I think the Labour Party would help itself if it didn't use the word BAME, it should ban it. I just talk about ethnic minorities, people of colour, black and other minorities, whatever it does, right? But it doesn't talk about BAME. And again, it goes back to the thing we said at, at the beginning. If you don't have around the table somebody pointing out the sort of the nuances, the complexities, within the black community, then you're always going to get it wrong. You're always going to say the wrong thing. You're always going to upset someone, right? And that's why, you know, again, having better black representation isn't, as same with um, Jermaine said about the, the you know, debate between, you know, young black men and the, and the benefit of that to black women. Once you start understanding and talking about black experiences and you design policies, which which deal with the issues which the community is talking about, then everyone benefits, right? For example, if if we had a better public health system in this country for the last 20, 30 years, do you think COVID would have had the impact as it had? Do you think if our employment policies actually 
understood the feelings of the black community? Do you think we still have disproportionate outcomes in our employment? No. Um, so again, I think I think all political parties have got to stop using the main thing. They've got to look at the different communities and they've got to talk about the policies which that community wants to talk about. For example, if the, if the Labour Party came out of a compelling, you know, five bullet point policy, how to solve, you know, disproportionality in the police service, you know what? I think people would be a lot more inclined to support the police service, especially in London. But it seems to overcomplicate the matter. So again, black representation is not just about black communities, it's about all communities. If you, can, if you can create a police force, especially in London, which is widespread support and trust and deep, I call it deep trust, deep trust, I think everyone benefits. Yeah, it, it, let's face the facts. The word, the term Bane was created by white people to lump everybody into one group. So it's easier for them. And what we've now gotten to a stage where we ask people, well, what's, what's the Bane representation? And we say, well, well, we've, we've got Bane people on our board. And I was like, well, when you look at them, they might be Polish or Russian. Because in actual fact, if you look at the definition, they are classed as Bane. And then what happens is you forget that Bane, the B on Bane becomes a small B. And you forget about black people and especially those from African and Caribbean heritage. And that's some of the things that I've been um, shared with, with members across our country. I don't feel like my voice is being heard. You've got, you, you use the term BAME, but Muslim women are struggling to get their voices heard in those spaces. So we really do need to challenge that concept of BAME. But when I talk about black, um, and, I, and, I, and I really understood the complications around BAME and the terminology, hence why I actually called the 1987 caucus the 1987 caucus and not the Young Black Men's Group. Because I realized that I needed to find something else that resonates with black people and ethnic minorities. And the 1987 general election where we elected the first ever black man, the black men, sorry, to uh, parliament was a date that could resonate with other people. And I thought about the 1922 committee that they have in parliament and the conservatives have. And I said, actually, we should have a, we should have the 1987 caucus to, to commemorate and to celebrate when black men were elected into parliament. So it can be done. It can be done. And I know a number of trade unions um, also do um, BEAM or BM, BME or, or the black sections. So there's a history and a, a present uh, that uh, of people looking and exploring different ways of creating groupings. And I think we as a party need to bring our party into the 21st century and think about what structures should be created where we can have uh, ethnic minority structure, but um, as going back to Terry's point, uh, Somalians and, 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 and other East Africans and, and West Africans can still feel and have that strong sense of identity and ownership and feel empowered within that same space underneath that umbrella that we can feed in our thoughts and opinions and emotions and, 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 and hopes and fears for our movement into this sort of this pipeline. But currently there is no such thing. So uh, I just feel like with all the issues that face us in society, marry that with the issues that face us within the party and adding the cherry on top that we have no structures to even voice our problems. Those same issues that we, I'll just talk about the in society and in the party, but there are no structures to even voice those concerns and those worries and those fears about those issues. That's why black members are leaving the party. Mm. That's why they left the party in their masses from last year and, and, and the year before. Look, and, and it's not me just bashing Keir Starmer, it's not me just bashing uh, uh, Angela Rayner, but as you rightly said earlier, in 2017 under Jeremy Corbyn, not one black man was selected as a parliamentary candidate. And that is, there's no words. I was just about to swear, but I know this is a podcast and we'll keep it clean for the new year. Uh, but it, it's so disappointing. It's so, so disappointing. Thank you. That's really important because it's not just a, a left or right situation. It seems, as you said, when we had Jeremy Corbyn as leader, we had the same issue. And it seems we've had the same issue, whoever the leader is, in terms of 
male black representation and black representation issues of black community within the Labour Party. But we're now in 2020. First of all, before I go down that road, I want to quickly talk about George Floyd and 2020 and Black Lives Matter. Do you think the Labour Party missed an opportunity there with the Black Lives Matter movement? Because if we look at the private sector, there's been more movement in the private sector to sort of address some of the inequalities and institutional racism that some of those institutions have had. I'm not saying it's completely um, perfect, but there's been some movement. I mean, obviously now you can't turn the TV on without seeing more black faces on the television. I've seen adverts. <laughs> yeah, but um, can you tell me more, Terry, what do you think is, um, has Labour missed the opportunity yeah. to readdress some of these issues yeah. here today? Yes. Yeah, of course it has. Um, interestingly, let's take the issue of the adverts, right? Now, we've all been sitting on our bums for the last couple of months, sitting at home watching the TV and, and minding our sofas. I have been literally turned to my other half and said, Did, have you seen that? And she said, what? There's a black family in that Sainsbury's advert or selling whatever product, right? You remember, I grew up in the 70s, where if you saw a black person on TV, everybody rang their auntie and uncle, right, to make sure everyone's watching it, right? And getting to a point now where for the first time in a long time I'm seeing lots more black faces on the TV right what's that telling us private companies are realizing the commercial value of their black customers mm. right someone's made an equation they've made an instant quick decisive move put money let's go and target these people a year now what has fundamentally changed? I mean, the Labour Party, a year ago, if you took a year ago from now, what's fundamentally changed? So again, I think I think the issue of the Black Lives, the, you know, George Floyd and that whole issue, I think it passed Labour Party by. I don't think it had the structures to pick up on it. Mm. That's what happened. And it goes back to the point about if you don't have people around the decision-making table going, Hey, look, um, something's happening over there. We need to we need to respond to this, right? Or do you wait until it's in your face, which is what's happened? So I think um, I think the I think last year was an opportunity. The last six months um, of last year has I think been missed by the Labour Party, okay? Because scores on the doors, what's changed? Mm. What nothing's changed. I think what you might get, you know, I don't mean to put words in the mouth of those around leadership, they might say, you know what, we've been very busy with COVID and very busy with the EHRC. And it goes back to the point I made at the beginning about bandwidth. However, if something is of sufficient importance and value, you put resources behind it. And you wouldn't find in any organisation where there's an issue of supreme importance, you wouldn't make an excuse not to deal with it. So again, I think the Labour Party could have made more of, you know, the, the the change in the tide last year, but I don't think it did. You know, what you know, did we move? Did, what did we say substantially mm. on criminal justice or the police? Not a lot. Mm. What did what did we really say about tackling this discrimination in the workplace? Not really a lot. You know, lots of words have been said. I, I bet if we all Googled it now, we find a lovely Guardian piece, which is, you know, everyone forgets five minutes after. But mm. nothing has permanently changed. And because I think the Labour Party has missed the the opportunity which that which George Floyd's death and, 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 uh, and the Black Lives Matters movement provided, because he didn't know how to pick it up. He didn't see it coming. Mm. And, and, and we're also... We also need to be mindful that the Labour League also shared the experiences of some of the black parliamentary, um, mm. some of the, mm. the black MPs. So we had that shortly before George Floyd. So there was already anger amongst especially black members within our movement at that time. And then when we when the George Floyd did happen, and, and Terry is completely right, um, to talk about the parties did not have the structures in place. And we saw the results of that. We saw the effect that that actually has. What what, what were the results of that? We, we saw Keir talk about Black Lives Matter a moment. He spoke about defunding the police as nonsense. Failed to address white supremacy on LBC. We haven't heard much about the Bernie Grant leadership program. 
Now, if he had the appropriate individuals around him, they said, look, you don't need to take a knee. Okay, cool. A knee is great at solidarity, but mm. people might see that as tokenistic and just just, mm. just a, 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 like a black square on Instagram, as people were doing. Mm. Talk about something. Implement something. Listen to, do an event when you have black members from around the party um, sitting around a table and you're listening to what they have to say about their experience mm. and then make a promise on what you need to do in the party. Set up, say that we're going to now create this fund or, or do something. And I just felt like that year was just so emotionally draining that I wanted the vehicle of change, the party of equality, to be the leading force behind the demonstrations and the protests, to be that grassroots. Because remember, grassroots, the grassroots movements and the people on the ground have been talking about racism mm. for ages. The only difference last year shown was that the establishment woke up to it but they didn't really address their own issues. So you had uh, the Coca-Cola um, Corporation talking about, yeah, we're setting up this multi-million pound fund. I said, but you're still exploiting people in parts of the world. So really look at yourself. And that's what we talk, mean about meaningful change. What And, and this leads me, I, I guess, well, not leads me because you're actually leading the conversation, but I guess my hope for 2020 is that we actually bring about, sorry, 2021, is that we actually bring about meaningful change mm. and not just tokenistic gestures, not just knees on, on, on Twitter, but actual meaningful, empowering change. But Matt, if I can jump in quickly, what do you mean by meaningful change? I mean, Terry has also sort of touched on it. What what do you what would you see as meaningful change? So in 2021, what are the challenges you would you would lay before the party in terms of what we've been discussing this evening? So, and these are the things that I've, I've spoken about, and it's not too hard to even find them out. You could, one, look at everything Terry and myself have spoken about on multiple podcasts when we've written labelist articles, or even better, talk to your members. Or even better than that, involve those black members and have them around the table. But some of those things were looking at the Bernie Grant Leadership Program. In, uh, in, Looking at uh, uh, implementing the changes made to Chapter 14 of the rule book, the Democracy Review, which looks at BAME structures, we have a, an elected NEC BAME rep and no way of communicating with that individual. Addressing racism within the party, mm. democratizing BAME labor, really having workshops around how do we deconstruct the term BAME and be more, more forward-thinking and progressive with those terminologies a word that, or even a number or a year, that ethnic minorities can actually identify with and create their, their own silos. How do we empower them? I'm not here to give leadership or the party all of the ideas. What I would like to see is a democratized and inclusive and accessible space for ethnic minorities to be able to have a conversation and to be able to bring about change. A meaningful change is not just a tick box exercise. It's actually that you care about this. Look, for example, Angela Rayner put out a BAME manifesto, spoke about amazing things in this manifesto. And one of the young black men in the caucus emailed her last year, July. Hi, Angela, really kind. Hi, Angela, what are you doing with the, the manifesto? Just wanted to see if there was a timeline for it. Ignored. Followed up, ignored. Put a bit more pressure. This is what the Labour Party is doing within HQ. I didn't ask about HQ. I asked about the manifesto, the Bain manifesto, the promises that you were uh, 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 that you put that you were voted on, and we're still having to wait for that. And this goes back to one of those core pillars and the core feeling of Black people, historical Black people around the world, is that you take us for granted and you use us. You use us to get to a certain position and then you forget about us. And I just hope 2021 is not going to be the year where you forget about us once again. Mm -hmm. I just like, yeah, I, don't, I just want to build on that, actually. Um, Jermaine mentioned some of those um, um, internal structures need to change. But also, I think what COVID has, has taught me, COVID has literally changed the rules of the game across every element of our life, right? Everything. But constantly, you what you will hear amongst 
you know, low politicians, is we can't come up with any policies because it's too early for the general election. Okay, so I call it the West Wing playbook, right? Because stuff like that was said years ago, even when I worked for Labour Party. Oh, you know, we don't want to talk too early. Um, you know, don't, don't want to give away our policies. You know, it's too early. However, now people are actually dying of, of, a, of a pandemic, right? You know, people have got no houses. And in Newham, we literally have to feed people, right? Have to feed and clothe people. We're what? The fifth or sixth biggest economy in the world. We had literally, you know, signs of deprivation, which you would see in, you know, third, third emerging countries. So what do we need to do with the Labour Party? We need to change that sort of old, that sort of, I call it the West Wing playbook. Oh, we can't talk about anything now. People actually are dying and suffering now in their homes. People are suffering, choking on COVID right now. So again, in order to be meaningful to the black population and ethnic minorities and the whole party, we've got to talk about policies around our society. You know, let's have a compelling, let's have a compelling framework about what is a UK society. For me, that was what I want to see. Because from in that um, nugget is, will be, you know, what do we do on crime and justice? What do we do on employment? What do we do on housing? What do we do on public health and our medical services? I think for the Labour Party, it's got to have a compelling idea of what we are going to be here for the long haul for. And I think from there then I think everyone, not just black members, can see, you know what, Labour Party is listening to me, understands me. And what it does, it needs to forget Twitter, right? Forget Twitter, forget, you know, six-hour news, and develop a set of policies which is compelling, and you grab people now. Because if you, if, the, if any political party thinks we're just talking to the talking to the wind for the next two years and then suddenly we'll come out of a manifesto and people will go yes i think people would have moved on by then okay so for me this year is about as jermaine has rightly said meaningful change it's got to come up with some concrete direction of what our society is and i think from there and within that you've got to have all voices around the table women men all, all sorts, you know, black, white, green, pink, you know, whatever, however you want to define society, it's got to be around the table. But for me, it's about having a vision of where we want to go. And I think that will then be attractive to people. And therefore, what it will demand is that around the table, you have the right representation around the table. So I'm, I'm with Jermaine. I think meaningful change has got to be meaningful. Because if you look back, we, I think, I think we have the Labour Party has responded to events, but has it led events, and that's where and that's where I want us to be. I want us I'm to be. Love that, not- love that Terry. Yeah, thank I'm you. I had, I had myself on mute, and I was literally clapping along. Vision is so important for our movement. We are a movement of vision. Just look at a, a government with no vision, and we now have what, what I feel like is an opposition with no vision as well. Once you are rooted in a vision that you have for society, you then respond and lead those events. You then respond and lead change. And we haven't been seeing that. If we look at some of the demonstrations and protests around the world, it's been young people on climate change. It's been grassroots organisations. It's been localised communities. Why isn't the Labour Party tapping into that? And I know this is a bigger conversation for another podcast, but we do need to think about and ask ourselves the questions, do we have that vision? And Terry Paul hit the nail on the head. I was literally clapping along. Sorry, Terry, I didn't mean to cut into you. (laughs) Thank you. That's that's really, really good, guys. And quickly, finally, really short um, answers, please, because we're going to have to wrap up. I'm really sorry because I'm really enjoying this. I think this has been such a fascinating conversation. It really has. Labour government, 2024. What kind of government do you want to see? We spoke about different voices around the table. We talked about policies that we would like to, we would like to see the Labour Party um, taking up and implementing in the future. What would you like to see on um, the day of the election, 2024? When Labour wins the election, we have Keir Starmer as Prime Minister. 
what would you like to see happen in terms of and what confidence would the black community have in that government? What what does the government need to do? For example, do we need to have more black MPs representing us? Do we need to have that Bain manifesto that's been worked through with different black and Bain communities leading up to that election? Um, now being coming to the forefront and now being um, implemented into policy going forward. What kind of government do you want to see? Because what I'm worried about is us having the same conversation 10 years, 5 years, 15 years from now. And that's not the kind of Labour Party I want my children, who are members now, to have to have that conversation. So what message, what final message can you give to the Labour Party if we are to have a representative government in 2024 that understands our community, that understands what the communities of Bain community has been through in terms of COVID, in terms of Black Lives Matter, in terms of all the institutional racism that, that, that does still exist within our party, what kind of government do you want to see in 2024? Or do you think there's no point, it's going to be the same old same? And if not, what can we do to change that? Sorry, I've waffled on a bit, but I think you get the gist of what I'm asking. Oof. Um, I, I'll kick off, actually. I, I think we need to set a vision which is transformative and not based on slogan. Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, and I think I, I need to start feeling now and everyone, you know, look, Labour Party's got me, right? I'm geek. I'm in it. I'm in the game. But I worry about the members of my family who are not Labour Party members who look out and say, who's the best for me? Now, if you think about it, I've lost family members, right? Due to this bloody COVID, right? So for me, and lots of, lots of people in this country have lost their family members. And they are looking at politics through a different lens now, right? They're looking at it, not just from the paper, on the TV, it's about what they see around them. And I think Labour Party needs to shift up and slightly change its sort of approach to politics. You know, like, as I said before, COVID has put a microscope under everything. And it's not about waiting for the next two years to have a policy. It's got to set out clearly what it wants to be in society. And it needs to lead and not respond to events. That's what I want it to be. You know, be transformative. You know, don't respond to the news. Don't be led by slogans and have some guts and balls and say, you know what? This is where we're going to be in X number of years' time, and this is how you're going to measure the impact of the policy. What we don't talk about as a Labour Party, we never say to people, "Vote for me," and this is how you're going. This is the problem we're going to solve, and in five or ten years' time, because some of our problems are longer term, not short term. This is the yardstick, and we've got to nail our colours to the mask. Completely agree with Terry. Um, I think a vision needs to be set. Um, and on that day, on the general, and I can say I will do everything in my power to ensure that the next government is a Labour government. I will never work against the party, um, unlike other individuals that we have learned throughout 2020. But we need to ensure that before we get to that destination, what does the journey look like? And I've said this during the campaign trail, and I'll say this today, that it needs to be one that is democratised so everybody has a say. It needs to be one that is inclusive so everyone feels, and not just feels, but everyone is actually involved, feels safe to have their voice heard. It needs to be one that is accessible so no matter what walk of life you have come from, we understand you, we accept you. We don't just tolerate, but we accept you. We need to be strong with our values and our principles. Zero tolerance to any form of discrimination. That goes for transphobia because our movement has been weak on that. And finally, needs to be a socialist and anti-racist movement, actively working against those oppressive structures that have been embedded in society for so long. I don't have anything against us working to regain the ground we lost, working to rebuild the red wall. But what I do have a problem is, is when you forget that that red wall includes black and brown bricks. Ensure that we engage with everybody. Ensure that we empower everybody. And that can only come about is if we actually have a Labour vision for the future. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with me this evening. 
thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed listening to tonight's podcast, please make sure you tune in in the future when myself and Henna will be speaking to many of the different diverse voices inside our party and movement. We'll be tackling issues and discussing issues around structural inequality, both inside the Labour Party and the Labour movement and in wider society.